the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Hour 2 of Southern California Live. Good to be with you again today on this Wonderful Friday afternoon, and we are live today from the Long Beach Rescue Mission in Long Beach, California, obviously, and it's great to be here. And, you know, when we're here at the Rescue Mission, we are talking about homelessness, obviously, and uh, what to do about it. And we've got some great stories of hope that we've been telling today, and I know they're inspiring you, and uh, especially for this time at Christmas, because this is the hopeful season, right? We have hope because we have the Lord who came into this world and uh, who offers forgiveness and grace and mercy and everlasting life for all who believe even him. His name is Jesus. This is one of the great reasons why we celebrate him in this period of time. Also, as a part of his church, he has given us a job to do, and it's to make disciples of all nations. A part of disciple-making is teaching people how to love and take care of those people who are uh, who are the poorest of the poor among us. You know, in our state, we have a, a different approach to how to deal with homelessness. This is Governor Newsom, while he was actually the mayor of San Francisco 10 years ago, presenting his plan for how to deal with homelessness. Listen to what he says is the way to deal with it. We believe fundamentally that food solves hunger, that shelters solve sleep, and that housing solves homelessness. And if we're going to solve the problem... Uh, of those that are out on the streets that we define as homeless, we better solve the housing problem if we're going to have an impact. And that's why we established this framework, what we call a 10-year plan to end chronic homeless in San Francisco. All right, well, the 10-year plan didn't work in San Francisco, and the same uh, philosophies behind it have not worked anywhere else in the state where state money and state programs have been working towards homelessness. That's why in Los Angeles County alone, you have over 50,000 homeless people, which is outrageous. It's the worst it's ever been. And um, and all of that to be said, underneath that, and and something I think that we all actually know is that there is a way to deal with this that's much better. And that's one of the reasons we're at the Long Beach Rescue Mission today. And my guest is the executive director of the Long Beach Rescue Mission, Jeff Levine. Uh, Jeff, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, Jeff, it's uh, great to have you with us. And uh, did we hear him okay? I just want to make sure. Try that again, Jeff. Scott, thanks so much for having us. I didn't hear you in my headset, so I didn't know if everybody else heard you out there. But uh, Jeff, you know, we hear the governor talk about the all we need to do. I know he's not saying I know that he knows it's more complex. Sure. But there's such this move that the reason people are homeless is because housing prices are so high in California. You know, or the way to deal with hunger is give people food, he says. The way to give people sleep is give them a bed. It's it's not that simple at all. Right. And one of the things that uh, you mentioned to me a little while ago, we were talking about this, is that there's a lot that has to be done for prevention of homelessness, yeah. that the studies are showing that out. Tell me a little bit more about that. Some uh, studies that you were you were talking about that would help us prevent people from becoming homeless in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, 
talking about housing is important, talking about employment is important, but I think the greatest underlying contributing factor to a person experiencing homelessness is childhood trauma. Hmm. So there's a study, an ACE, it's called ACE Study, uh, Adverse Childhood Experiences. It was done by a Kaiser Hospital. They worked with people who were morbidly obese, and they helped them lose hundreds of pounds. They follow up with them a year later, and half of them had regained the weight that they had lost. And so they were trying to figure out what explains why those who regained the weight did. And what they discovered was that the more adverse childhood experiences a person had, the more likely they were to develop heart disease, diabetes, increased suicide, rate, suicide rates, and homelessness. And so they came up with a questionnaire, 10 questions. They range from were your parents divorced? Did you live with a family member who suffered from mental illness? Were you ever the victim of physical, sexual, or emotional abuse? And every time you answer yes, you get a point. And every time you answer yes, it exponentially increases the likelihood of those conditions. The average score of a person experiencing homelessness is 6 out of 10. And so I think that that's something that gets left out of the conversation is how are we bringing healing and hope to the trauma that those that we're seeing on the streets have experienced? You know, there's a lady who is asleep. She sleeps on the sidewalk on PCH. I see her occasionally. And when I see her, I see my four-year-old daughter. Mm. I see my 18-month-old. Yeah. It, it, there's a compassion in me that this was a, a little child at one time. And who knows what they experienced. We had a young man, and, and this is where, you know, it kind of adds that complexity to the conversation. He was born with heroin in his system. By the time he was six months old, he had been to four different foster care homes. And so when you think about attachment and you think about the, the development of, of your brain, right, right? it's not surprising that he would find himself addicted to heroin. And, you know, he comes to the rescue mission, incredible young man, uh, graduates the program, relapses, comes back, does a fast track, graduates the program, is sober for a couple years, officiate his wedding in December, and then officiate his funeral six months later, he had overdosed on heroin. And so... I think that as we come to this, it's, it's not a problem. It's people. Mm. And we're complex. Right. We're relational. We're, um, it's not just a math problem. Right? No. It's not 50,000 people are homeless, so we need 50,000 homes. That's the solution. Right. That's, I think, what unfortunately is, especially here in, in uh, this county, Los Angeles County, yeah. we're not even spending a lot of the money that's out there because we're building $800,000 houses for one bed. Yeah. Because we think that's going to fix it. Well, and I think it's interesting, too, our philosophy, at least this is the way that I've seen it, is bigger isn't better, mm -hmm. right? You know, a 500-bed shelter isn't necessarily the most efficient way to help people experiencing homelessness. Yeah. When I think about our mission, we have 156 beds, and we've got two different programs. We've got a 90-day case management program. It's a client-driven accountability program. We sit down with them, assess their case. What's the next step to get you to independence? And And there's a good portion of the people that can fit into that program, many of them, are, they need the one-year program. It's a discipleship life recovery program. It focuses on how does being in a relationship with Jesus affect every aspect of what it means to be human. Now, I want to talk about that for a second, yeah. because you're, you're, you're talking about helping people deal with these things by having a relationship with Jesus. And I want people to understand is that the Long Beach Rescue Mission, as well as some other Christian homelessness organizations, if you teach that, you are not allowed to take any state funds. Is that correct? We choose not to take state funds right. because we don't want to compromise. They don't yeah. want you to teach that. Absolutely. And, and there, yet that is such a big part of the solution. And there are missions who have found themselves hamstrung yeah. because they've accepted government money and they no longer proclaim the gospel. Yeah. And it's, it's sad. The uh, study you're talking about, the ACE study, so it, it presents these 10 areas that uh, if you um, say yes to those questions, yeah. 
uh, you're more likely to be homeless. You said that a lot of people um, don't want to say. Yeah. You know, do you find that to be true, too, here with people who come in that they don't want to talk about? Yeah. You know, the past in those areas. Yeah. So part of our curriculum, we use a program called Ace Overcomers, and it talks about how does the Bible speak healing and hope into Mm. these areas of trauma, change the perception that my identity is my trauma to I'm made in the image of God. I've got dignity and value and that that trauma happened to me, but I'm not identified by it. And so we give the ACE test. And what we found is that for many, they lie the first time they take it. Because it's hard to take ownership of the things that they've experienced. But we've had men and women who have come through this program that scored 9 out of 10. And and you see somebody that's upright walking, having a conversation with you that's been through that much. Yeah. I mean, I just have so much respect for that. But then to see their transformation as God heals them, uh, it's just, it's wonderful. You're listening to Southern California Live. My guest is Jeff Levine. He is the executive director of the Long Beach Rescue Mission. We're broadcasting live from the Long Beach Rescue Mission. Uh, Jeff, I think that's a great thing. We're sitting in a room here at the Rescue Mission that is full of uh, computers. It's a computer lab. Yeah. Uh, it's one of many great programs you have. And I'm looking out at this room and go, this is a great computer lab. Yeah. You know, that's, they're brand new. They, um, you know, I, and I think that matters because people need to go out and get a job on computers that are being used today. Yeah. Right. Not, not Windows 95. Yeah. Right. That's not going to help anybody. Yeah. Uh, that's a wonderful thing. Tell me more about how uh, the different time types of programs that the Long Beach Rescue Missions has. Yeah. So we're sitting in our learning center. Yeah. And the learning center is an opportunity to develop critical thinking and problem solving. So as you can imagine, the range of education for people experiencing homelessness is wide. We've had people who never made it out of elementary school, and we've got people who have graduate degrees and Mm. everything in between. And so as they come into the learning center, we assess where they're at, and we begin to build, and we'll leverage online resources. We found that if they've at least hit high school, we can help them get their GED by the time they finish the year program. Uh, But for some who never made it to high school, it's math. It's, you know, just learning that I can I can solve this problem. Yeah. And if I can solve this problem, I can solve the problems that I experience out in life. And so it's a great uh, ministry tool. Uh, and, and we had a, a young man come through the program. He just graduated. When he first started here, we we're teaching how to add, you know, double digit numbers. By the time he finished, he's doing calculus. Wow. And, and I think it was he just didn't have the context and the care to help foster that within him. Yeah. So I think that's so important for us to grasp with this problem too. And we're, you mentioned we're in this learning lab and I'm looking behind us and there's this, uh, it's not a whiteboard. What would you call that? It's like plexiglass. You yeah. can see right through, but you can write on it. And it has this whole, it's whatever was being taught in here, but it's standard notation versus scientific notation. It's like college level kind of stuff or yeah. upper high school. But the solution to homelessness is not just giving somebody a house or a bed. Yeah. It's they have to have education. They have to have recovery. Yep. But they also have to have uh, some confidence. And soft skills, life skills. Life skills. You put somebody into a home and they've never done dishes. They've never cooked for themselves. Mm. I, we had a young man come through here. We had to teach him how to brush his teeth. He grew up in a home where his father was schizophrenic. His mom had left their family. He was 18 years old at Cabrillo High School. We get a call from their counselor, and they said, hey, we have a young man who's homeless. Would you be able to take him in? We brought him in. He finished high school. I went to his graduation (laughs) living at the Long Beach Rescue Mission, and he had support and care. Uh, 
but he lacked life skills. Yeah. And so a housing first model, I, and I understand for some that may work for most. It it just isn't the first step that they should be taking. It, right. You know, there are some, some things that we need to be doing in front of that to really ensure. And this goes back to the bridge program. 87% of our graduates who we help into housing are still stably housed a year later. That's a remarkable statistic, 87%. 87%. And not everybody makes it through the program, but the ones who graduate, yeah, 87% absolutely. are still doing well a year later. Yeah, and I think it's because they've learned the importance of spiritual community, they have accountability, and they have their faith. They're in recovery, and they know that here at the Long Beach Rescue Mission, our staff, this place, we love them, truly love them, and are invested and want to help in whatever way we can. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and uh, I do want to let you know that later on in our program today, we will be giving away tickets to Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, movie tickets for that movie that will be in theaters throughout Southern California this coming Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday only. It's a Fathom event, and uh, you can get more info by going to johnnycashmovietickets.com or go to harvest.org slash tickets. And uh, you can do it that way. I'll tell you more about that later in the show. I am with Jeff Levine. He is the executive director of the Long Beach Rescue Mission. We're talking about the different programs here and homelessness and the things that are done to prevent people from becoming homeless in the first place. Um, and then the things that really help people get out of the, the traps and the complexities of the homelessness. What other programs do you have here at the Rescue Mission that are helpful? You have a men's. We're in the it's called the Samaritan's House. Yep. And you have so this is where men are. Yep. And then you have a women and children's uh, home, and you're also constructing one. So yeah, yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So the Lydia House is a 50 bed shelter for women and children. Uh, right now we've got 23 children, ages ranging from under a year to teenagers, and uh, it's you know we've got women sleeping in their cars with their kids, uh, waiting to get into Lydia House. So yeah. the need for the need for more shelter beds is evident and. As an organization, of course, we want to take the responsibility of creating that context for the help that they need. And uh, at the Lydia House, they have the same programs, 90-day case management. We help them find housing, find employment. Uh, There's a mom over there right now. Gosh, I have so much respect for her. So she's got a toddler, she's got a 4-year-old, and she's got a 7-year-old. And every morning, you'll see her come down Pacific Avenue, and she's got the toddler in the car seat, or in the stroller. She's got the four-year-old holding onto her pocket and the seven-year-old in front of her as she's taking to drop them off at school. Precious Lamb is a great partner of ours. They're a Christian preschool for hmm. uh, early education, and, uh, and so they take our kids uh, from the Lydia house, and then moms can focus on employment and securing housing. So, yeah, just great, great programs all around, and... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so humbled and honored to get to be serving here. It's well, I'm glad place. to see it. I want to encourage anybody who is interested to uh, check it out, especially if you're in the Long Beach area. You can come by and, you know, people don't be afraid of it. People, I think, sometimes they're afraid to come by. It's yeah. totally safe. There's a parking lot. You know what? Yeah, there's some homeless people outside. You say hello and you greet them like yeah. Jesus would. Okay, and uh, you come in the door, everybody's friendly and uh, it's a great place and you never know it could change your your life coming here to help change other people's lives. Yeah. Uh, Let me ask you this question. In New York City, a controversial program is being put forward about um, taking people who are homeless and mentally ill. And uh, I don't know if you read about that and uh, and 
basically involuntarily keeping them out of the off the streets for a much longer period of time. Yeah. And nobody knows what the courts are going to ultimately say. Yeah. How do we what's the best way, do you think, to deal with people who have severe mental illness? What's the most compassionate thing we can do? Is it to create an environment where they've got accountability to take their medication, they know they have food, a safe place to stay, or do we let them suffer out in the streets? Yeah. I think, I think you know, and it's probably not a popular view, but there are people who, they may not be a danger to themselves because they can find their way to a shelter and get food. Right. They may not be a danger to others because they're not physically attacking them, but they're suffering on the street. Yeah. They're, they're um, screaming at things that aren't there. They're... And honestly, I think some of it's demonic possession. There's mm. people that I've encountered where I, I know, I know, I there's just something know else. in my heart yeah. there's something else that's going on there. But again, it's like the most compassionate thing I think that we could do is provide for them a space where they're getting the help that they need. And with their path to recovery, if there's a way to get them stable and transition them back into independence, fantastic. If there isn't, and I, I think it's a loving thing to care for them in that way. We need to find a way to do that. Yeah. You know, I think that it is, um, and maybe once again, this is another role for the church, right? I think it's harder when it's the government, yeah. right? The government forcing you into something yeah. uh, raises all kinds of other questions, okay? Civil rights questions, it raises questions about, you know, totalitarian governments and history and all of that, and that's yeah. where it gets really hard. But the people who get left are the people who really need somebody to step in and do something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Tell us about the spiritual development here at uh, the Rescue Mission. Yeah, so we're a Christian faith-based organization. We lead with our faith in Christ. And you don't have to be a Christian to come and receive services here. And I think that's the misperception. We're going to hold your shotgun, and you're not going to get a meal until you get Jesus. And we found that when you read scriptures, Jesus fed the people before he taught them. That's right. And so we invite people into our services, and it's incredible. You know, our services are full. We do it at 7 o'clock each night. We have different churches that come in and lead in worship, give the word. So if you're a church and you're interested in getting involved here, reach out to us. Great way to serve. Um, But our program, like I said earlier, it's talking about what does it mean to be in a relationship with Jesus? How does that affect the way that I relate to God, the way that I understand my own, own, own identity, how I relate to other people? But we do want to dive into those underlying factors and see how does the gospel bring healing and hope. Anger management. Mm. How, do, how, do we, how do we handle this powerful emotion that is from God? God gets angry. Yeah. Right? He's slow to anger, but anger motivates him to take positive, loving actions to correct wrongs. How do we harness that? What about forgiveness? How do I forgive the people who caused the trauma that's led to my refuge-seeking in drugs and alcohol? And and then be freed from that, release them from that debt, release ourselves from the burden of holding that against them. Uh, we do classes that help guys with their struggles, help women with their struggles, positive relationships. And it's all from the perspective of Scripture. All of those things are part of actual recovery. Yeah. And I think that is so important and such a great thing about your ministry is that you can do all of that, that it isn't just here we're going to give you some food and a bed and and some housing and then you go figure it out yeah right that and you figure out gosh forgiveness and uh, the bitterness and the anger there's so many yeah. there is so many things that you have to uh, unwind with somebody who's gone through like you said uh, so many traumas there's such a, a pathology often you yeah. know for for people who find themselves in these 
these situations. What are some other uh, ways that people can connect with you here at the Long Beach Rescue Mission? Yeah, well, I would really encourage. I would love to give you a personal tour. If you want to come down and see what we do, God is renewing things here. We just got all brand new beds, mattresses, sheets, linens, and blankets for our Samaritan house, which is huge. We're replacing 1980s bed frames that are still (laughs) functional, but they didn't look great. And uh, we want to dignify our people. We just renovated our dining room, new tables and chairs, new flooring, new kitchen at Lydia House. God is on the move here. And if you want to be a part of that, we want you to come alongside of us. And you can support us in different ways, whether that's volunteering, whether that's giving. Um, There's a a movement of God that's taking place here at the Long Beach Rescue Mission. We'd love for everybody to be a part of it. And if people want to connect, they go to Long Beach Rescue Mission's website. It's lbrm.org. Is that right? That's correct. And you can also, you're on social media, right? So if people are just, they can't get their nose out of their Facebook, you're on there also. Facebook, Instagram. Right. All of those, all of those different things. You know what? It is uh, great to uh, get to know you today, and uh, I want to thank you for being on our program on Southern California Live, Jeff. Thanks so much, Scott. My guest has been Jeff Levine. He is the executive director of the Long Beach Rescue Mission, which we are at today. We are broadcasting live from the Long Beach Rescue Mission. And when we come back, I'll take your calls, 888-528-2557. If you have any comments about these, I see one or two of you on hold here, 888-528-2557. I'll take your call as soon as we get back. As the Friday edition of Southern California Live continues, I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back in a moment. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. So your first priority is cleaning up encampments? The first priority will be identifying some of the most challenging encampments. I'm not saying they're going to go away in 100 days, but I am saying that we are going to target throughout the city a number of the most challenging ones and get people housed, not just move them away, because that's something that has always concerned me, and you know that. It's not enough. I mean, it actually doesn't do much of anything if you move the encampment three blocks away or if you move it all the way to the other side of town. The point is to get people housed. But the other thing that I'm concerned about is that the money that came in for COVID relief, some of it is running out. And I'm worried that we might actually have a spike in homelessness when people who are currently housed in motels and hotels are told they have to leave. That is incoming Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass, who was asked about her plan for homelessness in the first 100 days. And she plans on clearing out some of the largest and most noticeable encampments. And her solution is housing, ultimately. But what we've been talking about here on Southern California Live today is that it's much bigger than that. We are broadcasting live from the Long Beach Rescue Mission in Long Beach, California. And, you know, one of the things that we know for sure is that it's a lot more than just providing a roof over somebody's head. There are mental health issues. There are issues of developing life skills, addiction skills. You need to have recovery. It's so much more than that. And, you know, we're hopeful and praying for the new mayor that things would be different but what we're hearing so far is not something I think that is going to make any changes. And gosh, you just talked about money running out for people that they're putting in hotels and everything else. I wonder how many people that is. I actually don't know. But we're already talking about 50,000 homeless people in Los Angeles County. It's the worst it's ever been. I got a couple of uh, moments for some calls. 888-528-2557. Let's go to uh, Daryl. Welcome to Southern California Live. Thanks for holding, Daryl. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing fine, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, what I have to say is actually going to floor your entire audience, your listening audience. Uh, just April of this year, I stopped being a Lyft driver after seven years. About four and a half years ago, I accepted a ride request from LAX. It was a politician from Denver, Colorado, him and two of his assistants. Well, from Denver, Colorado to the bottom entry, which is the destination, uh, the topic of homelessness came up. I don't know exactly how it came up, but it did. And so he sat in my passenger seat in the front. And the two sisters sat in the back, and they were, he was saying what he had to say. And what he said to me absolutely, really, really floored me. I said, well, um, I said, well, great, you know what? While you're here, you can talk to our politicians here about how we're going to eliminate, uh, eliminate our homelessness problem. He said, well, Darrell, uh, our problem is now your problem. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, we charted, I forgot exactly how many, but he said we charted X amount of buses, and they sent Thirty-something thousand people to Los Angeles. Yes, that was his exact verbiage. Mm-hmm. I said, "Excuse me." He said, and they thought and his two assistants in the back seat—they just thought it was just the funniest thing. He said, "Well, there are, uh, we have no homelessness in Denver, Colorado. They're all here. We sent them here." I said, "How many?" He said, "We sent thirty thousand something people to Los Angeles." Yes, that's where it started. We know that a lot of the homeless people here, Daryl, thank you for your call, and a lot of the homeless people in California are coming from other states, and part of it is because our policies are, are not policies of recovery. They're, they're policies, in my opinion, they're policies that encourage the continual use of drugs in a safer place. And uh, that is something that's called, uh, it's part of something called harm reduction. We've talked about that a lot on our program and how it ultimately doesn't work. And the big piece of why it doesn't work is because it's not dealing with the core problems and recovery. It's re- it, it ultimately creates you know, what we've seen in San Francisco. And my, my theory, if you've been listening, my theory is that what's going on in San Francisco, San Francisco is just ahead of where we are here in Los Angeles. And Los Angeles is ahead of where San Diego is as far as the problems getting worse and worse. Los Angeles is looking a lot more like San Francisco. San Francisco is finally maybe, maybe, we'll see, had enough. And uh, people are beginning to vote differently and say, hey, we've got to do something else. These policies don't work. In New York City, I mentioned in the last segment, Mayor, Mayor Eric Adams announced this week that he's going to broaden the use of involuntary mental health holds, targeting those people with the most serious forms of mental illness. You know, one of the one of the things is is that if you are homeless and you've got a, a severe mental illness problem, giving you a house doesn't work. I talked to one person here in L.A. who said, "Yes, we give some tiny houses to some homeless people who leave the next day and they don't know how to come back to it. It's just gone. It works for one day." the The problems are so severe. Um, and then, what do you do about it? We talked about that here at the rescue mission with the director in the last segment. Should we hold on to people against their will for longer periods of time? This is something that uh, in New York they're about to try. New York does a better job than we do as far as getting um, uh, people at least off the street, but not necessarily at getting people um, to be um, able to care for themselves and get a job. Um, In New York City, before the mayor's new directive, only people who are deemed to be an imminent risk to themselves or others qualified to be hospitalized against their will. But now the holds can be used to detain people who aren't actively violent or dangerous, but who are in a psychotic state or clearly unable to care for themselves. And the directive also requires that hospitals put a plan in place before releasing a patient instead of dumping them back on the street to repeat the cycle. Now, that's typically what happens. That's what happens here in California. Um, If a homeless person does get arrested for a a crime or something, they're typically back out on the street very quickly. Uh, And the same is true for um, people who are on drugs or having other 
states. What do we do about that? This is one of the bigger problems. This is one of the great reasons for ministries like the Long Beach Rescue Mission is that we want to reach out and find recovery. I think one of the hardest issues to deal with with all of this is sometimes people in a lot of, in fact, I think in a lot of ways, people are either unwilling or incapable of making a decision that would help them find a path to recovery. And it's very, very difficult, particularly for the government, to force people into a program against their will. There's a whole lot of uh, lawsuits that are going to come against that. I think that uh, some of those lawsuits might ultimately win and uh, you know win the day. So this is something that I think the church has got to, to step into in a much, much bigger way, that the church needs to be not simply... Um, working with people who are already homeless, but also getting into areas of mental health, getting into areas of prevention. We talked in our last segment with the director here, Jeff Levine, about uh, the ACE study, which talks about how so many people who are homeless have a whole lot of childhood trauma that has led to decisions that get made for drug abuse or other things. So many people go through that. You know, for today, one of the things that we want to highlight is that there is recovery. And that we believe the best path of recovery ultimately is done when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. When you realize that we have a Savior who is about hope and real hope. A, a person told me this quote, which he said he can't, he can't give credit for it because he said he got it from a homeless person. The homeless person said, the definition for hope is this. You finally have hope when you realize that your circumstances have changed. When you realize your circumstances have changed, then you have hope. That's what we have in Christ. We realize that our eternal circumstances have changed. And what Jesus wants to do in this world is point out that there are ways for our circumstances to change. I think the church has to do more together. And when I say the church, I mean capital C church. I think churches and congregations need to work together and not get so tied up about who gets to go to what church and if the music's better here or if the preacher is better over here. But the resources that churches have together, what we could actually do is tremendous and it's something we'll talk about in, in the future uh, hope matters that's a big part of what our show is about something that we want you to know about hey you know we've been promoting this film this johnny johnny almost said johnny carson movie it's not johnny carson movie johnny cash film um and the film is called uh, johnny cash uh the redemption of an american icon and this film that's coming out is actually about redemption and i think that's something that is so important for you to, to, to hear. When we promote this movie, it's not just simply because it's got uh, Greg Laurie in it, which is great, and he's going to do an altar call at the end. And uh, we love Greg, and he's a great partner, and he's on right after our program. But the reason that Greg's involved here is because the Johnny Cash story is one of true redemption. And he was somebody who was on drugs and alcohol. He was suicidal, about to end his life, and he found redemption. And what you might have missed if you watched that great movie, Walk the Line, a couple of years ago, it was a great Johnny Cash movie, um, and, um, but they, they barely even touched the fact that it was a spiritual revival in his life. This movie talks about the spiritual revival. It's called Johnny Cash, the redemption of an American icon. And here's something that we're doing right here in our program today. This will be the last time because it's next week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, limited engagement theaters all over Southern California, Monday, December 5th, 6th, and 7th. Uh, this movie will be shown and what we're going to have you do is Call in for free tickets. Are you ready? 
That's right. Be caller nine right now to win a pair of tickets to see Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon Movie. It will be in theaters throughout Southern California this coming Monday, December 5th, 6th, and 7th. The number you call is 888-528-2557. Call right now. Be caller nine, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. If you call that number and you're caller nine, we'll give you two free tickets to this movie. It's next week, December 5th, 6th, and 7th. I highly encourage you to go to uh, that movie if you don't get tickets. Tickets, but call in right now. We'll take caller nine. And uh, you can also get tickets by going to harvest.org slash tickets, harvest.org slash tickets, in case you're not caller nine. Once again, the number is 888-528-2557. Call right now. We like this movie because, you know, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to, to experience hope from somebody who you know, people know and people like. Johnny Cash or something about I don't know why we care so much about famous people and their lives and things like that and people who entertain us, but we do. And there are certain people like him who become iconic, who from generation to generation have new fans. There's a whole lot of brand new Johnny Cash uh, fans today. Here's a trailer for the movie. He wanted to be the biggest thing in the world, and he became the biggest thing in the world. And then he stepped back, and he said, that's not all there is. There's no lonelier place on earth for a man to be than separated from God. He faced himself, he faced his temptations, he faced his worldliness, and came out wanting to be right with God. It's a biblical precedent that God uses complicated people. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Non-basketball question. Did you get a chance to meet with the royal family? And if not, how was it like having them there in the building? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? (laughs) The prince and princess of Wales. Oh, no, I did not. I'm only familiar with one royal family. I don't know too much about that one. That was Celtics basketball coach Joe Mazzulla responding to a question about whether or not he was impressed by having the uh, the British Royals in the audience, and uh, he wasn't. He goes, were you impressed by the Royals being there? And he said, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, because that's the only royal family that I'm aware of. Uh, good for him. What a great, great response. Well, it is Christmas time, and we're so grateful for the King of Kings. This is Southern California Live. We are live today from the Long Beach Rescue Mission, and uh, where we worship the King of Kings, where we recognize that there is salvation, and there is grace, and there is mercy, there is love, and there is family, ultimately, where people who believe in Jesus Christ are not just subjects of the king. We are adopted into his family. And with me is um, a resident here at the rescue mission, Mary uh, Asensio. Is that how you say your name? It's Asensio. Asensio. Mary Asensio. She's in the New Life program, a New Life program participant at the Lydia House uh, at the Long Beach Rescue Mission. Welcome to our program, Mary. Thank you. Mary, thank you for being with us today. Uh, how long have you been uh, at the Lydia House? 11 months. 11 months. Can you tell us your story and uh, what brought you here ultimately? Well, I was one of the homeless people. I was homeless out in Skid Row, downtown LA. Mm. So you were homeless at Skid Row, mm-hmm. and we were down there just a few uh, weeks ago, so we're, we're aware of everything going on down there. And um, tell me, uh, you know, what's happening in your life that led you to that place where you found yourself homeless? Um, I was really hooked on methamphetamine. Yeah. They took my kids away from me, mm. and my dad was in having my dealing with my addiction so he put me out and I had nowhere to go 
So I just went to the street, and um, I was so broken and lost so so long, you know, and, and in and out of prison and jail. And I, you know, I liked that lifestyle because me going to jail, I felt safe. Because out there in the street, there's an, it's it's for a, a female like me, you know, bad things happen to me, and yeah. I know, and I I I wanted to be out there because I was full of shame and guilt, and I I wanted to die, you know. But um, God had he was always with me. He didn't let me die. He he always had a plan for me, but I didn't know what, what was it. Why does he keeping me alive? But he, I have a I have a story. He, I have to, you know work for him, and, and he he just told me you know, uh, you know, just keep on you know, open that door that you're you know I'm here for you. Just you know when you get tired. And I one time I just got on my knees and I said you know God. I can't do this more because I was losing my mind already, walking with no shoes, and you know, and because and, and, I really wanted to die. And one time I just told God, you know, I can't do this no more because my whole life I come from a broken home. My my dad worked a lot, and I just wanted to the, the freedom. And you know, I, I like at the time I liked partying. Uh, and I joined the gangs and, and in and out of prison. That was a lifestyle, but today it's not like that because the day that I was in my tent, I said, you know, Dad, and, you know, I called him my dad, you know, I can't do this no more. You know, I don't want to die out here. And, and he just told me, you know, just, I'm here. Just, I was sitting, and he said, the first bus you see, you get on, and you don't look back. And I, I, I walked in the church and I told them I needed help and I was homeless and, and, and I can't do this no more because I don't want to die. And they sent me to Redgate, a recovery home. Mm-hmm. And then from there, they sent me to Lydia House. And, and, and this is love, family. And I'm getting to know God and, and I'm reading out of the Bible and I'm a person that didn't know how to read because the street life was more important. I, I couldn't read at all, and God, today God is showing me how to read and have an education in this skill center because, I, I mean, it's it's life. Today I'm living, uh, God gave me a second chance. Yes. A second chance. You, Mary, um, I know everybody listening is just so appreciative of your story and you're, you're telling the story. How long were you out on the street? Eight years. Eight years out on the street. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. That's a really long time. Um. And uh, you cried out to the Lord, and he, he told you to, you went to a church, yes. and you, you prayed. Did, and did you know the Lord before you were homeless? Did you grow up in church? I didn't grow up in church, but in prison, I used to just, uh, in prison, I, I did give myself to the Lord. Okay, so you gave yourself to the yeah, Lord once yeah. while you were in prison. And uh, and you got out, and you're homeless, and you're dealing with, it's a scary thing on the street for anybody. Anybody. It's really yeah, scary. but especially as a, as a woman. And... Um, you know, I I'm just hearing your story and the the hopelessness that you must have felt. I think you may not even be able to relate to that unless you've been there yourself. It's scary out there. That's a female. I seen a bad things had happened to me. Yeah. But God saved me. A lot of times I got raped twice. Hmm. I mean, um, domestic violence guys would beat me up. I'll be in my tent. It was twice that people got in there. I guess I got hurt, but it could have been worse. But God, you know, I've yeah. been stabbed. And, and it's scary. Out there. And this is an experience that anybody would have being out there, right? Yeah. If I didn't come to Lydia House, I would have lost my mind. I would, you know what I mean? I was 
that very close to be that person walking with no shoes, screaming, talking, like you said, mental. You were real close to that. Yeah, it, yeah. it is. It's sad. Yeah. I was losing my mind already out there. Yeah. <laughs> this is Southern California Live. You're listening to our guest, Mary Asensio, who was homeless for eight years mm-hmm. and uh, cried out to the Lord. And she was out in uh, Skid Row. You, you talk about your tent, so you are a person that, you know, many people drive by and they see these encampments, and the politicians are talking about these encampments today, and, uh, you know, what to do. You were living there. I lived there. And you went through tremendous violence and abuse, but here you are. Yes. Here you are, 11, it's 11 months, yes. you said, 11 months later, and you're at the Lydia House, which is part of the Long Beach Rescue Mission, and we're sitting here at the Long Beach Rescue Mission together. Tell us about your experience when you came to the Lydia House. You know, when you first got there, what was it like? At first, because I, I didn't know what was it about. But yeah. Like, like I was saying, I, when it was Christian-based, like I said, I had problems. I didn't know how to read. I said, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I opened the Bible, and I started trying to read and God knows me, and I had trouble, but God's working with me. He showed me how to read out of the Bible, and what, what I read is, is there's a lot of me in there. You know, mm. God is good, yeah. because the answers that I don't have, he answers them for me. He gives me that it's good because I'm learning about God. Yes. God. Well, Mary, you are an inspiration to a whole lot of people who are, are hearing this right now, yeah. and you are an inspiration to people who need to know that our God is a living God yeah, he is. who loves us. I glorify my Lord. Yeah. At 51 years, 51 years old, he gave me a second chance to live. And that life, that street life, I, I used to glorify that. Yeah. I, you couldn't take that away from me. But today, I glorify the Lord. This is my life. I, I, you know, I want to live. I, 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 I love him. He's my number one. He saved me. I mean, like, I come out of straight skid roll, you know, I don't have to, I could take a shower with warm water, I don't have to use the bathroom out of a bucket, I don't have to have the the police telling me, bring my tent down, I mean, it's, I'm so happy that I have a roof over my head, I'm safe, nobody's going to hurt me, I could close my eyes, and I'm safe, I have a bed, I have clean clothes, I'm I'm never hungry. Out there, you're hungry, you know. It's just, it's, I'm not cold. I'm, I'm living my life again. I'm, God is giving me Mary back, you know. I used mm. to say, I'm not the smartest person, but, you know, I'm changing that. I, I, I've got a tutor. I'm really, really reading, you know, and I'm so proud of me because I thought I was not going to be a nothing, you know. And God, all I knew is, prison life you know and that's not a way to go it ain't yeah. the way to go is with the lord yeah you know praise him well mary thank you for for sharing your story it's a, an honor to meet you and i'm glad that i can be your brother in christ thank you and that there are so many people now who are part of your family thank you. you know when you said you you go into the bible which you can now read yeah and you see so much of yourself in there yes that is the Lord. We're we're all in there, and you know what we see is that we all we all need a Savior. We all have the same one, and His grace is enough for every one of us. 
And that's why we get to be brother and sister. That's right. That's, right. That's cool. Right. That's really cool, that's isn't it? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Are you hearing me, everybody out there? Are you hearing Mary? This is what happens when the church comes together with the message of grace and love and the true gospel of Jesus Christ, our living God. Do not lose hope. I don't. I yeah. Got, I got God with me. And, you know, I got a new family. You do. And if you're listening, you know what? Don't lose hope and be involved. Be involved when you're when you're doing your thing this Christmas and you're driving by. Your gifts to the rescue mission here in Long Beach. Your volunteer help. Whatever it is that you can do, God is changing lives because of that and because of the work we're doing together. Mary, can I pray for you before yes, we you go? Can. God, I want to thank you for Mary right now. I know right now she. It is such an honor that we can call her sister, that we will spend eternity together. And what a great story of your love and grace and the work of people here at Lydia House and Long Beach Rescue Mission who you were using to bless her along with the other steps that she had along the way. Thank you for hearing her as she cried out to you. I pray that you would bless her. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to help her to grow, that you would let her know that she is loved and that she is smart. And I pray that you would restore her to you and to other relationships that she needs so much. We thank you, Lord, for her and everyone else that uh, are being ministered to by your grace here at the Long Beach Rescue Mission and the Lydia House. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mary, thank you for being with us uh, today. And everybody, thank you for listening and being a part of Southern California Live. You know, Mary's story is is why we do what we do. Um. And what a great thing, a great way to uh, just end this weekend to just have the hope of the King of Kings. Hey, Long Beach Rescue Mission, there's a Christmas toy giveaway. Go to lbrm.org, lbrm.org. Christmas toy giveaway is December 17th, 2022, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., 1335 Pacific on in Long Beach. And uh, if you're in the Long Beach area, grab a toy this weekend as you're shopping. Bring it by the Rescue Mission 1335 Pacific, and you're helping people just like Mary and a whole bunch of other people. This is Southern California Live. Thank you for listening. I'm Scott Furrow. God bless everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. Go to lbrm.org to learn more about the Long Beach Rescue Mission. God bless you. I'll see you on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.